Welcome to Fitch's Global Economic Outlook podcast for September 2018. I'm James McCormack, head of the Sovereign Team, and I'm here with Brian Colton, Fitch's Chief Economist. Today's podcast is going to focus primarily on emerging markets. There's been a lot of FX volatility recently, Brian, over the last quarter, cost of dollar funding on the rise. Talk to us about the macro impact of, of these latest developments. Well, you're absolutely right about the volatility. If we look at three-month exchange rate volatility in emerging markets and compare it to the G7, we're back to levels of volatility we haven't seen since the early 2000s, so way above anything we saw in, in 2008 in, in relative terms, maybe not in absolute terms. So it really has been a, a big change in, in, mar- in market conditions. In terms of what it means for emerging market growth, it's definitely negative. I don't think it's hugely negative in terms of it's not going to push emerging market growth back to the sort of levels we saw in, in 2014, 2015 when we had the commodity price collapse. I don't think it's as serious as that. But it's definitely leading to a number of central banks in emerging markets being forced to raise interest rates more rapidly than otherwise they would have, they were planning they were so planning, pro cyclical monetary policy. Um, in, a, in a number of countries, I mean, if we take a country like uh, Indonesia, for instance, where the, the growth numbers have already been kind of on the soft side, you know, not, not really any fears there about overheating, and yet we've had a really big change in monetary policy relative to you know, our expectations even three, six months ago. So you know, we, we, we certainly are looking at tighter monetary policy in a majority of the emerging markets that, that, that we follow in the GEO. Obviously, the, the poster child for this is, is Turkey, you know, where you know, we, we go back to our forecast at the beginning of the year, we've seen several 100 basis points of rate hikes. Not enough to calm the markets down, but you know, it's uh, w- what I think we're going to be seeing in, in Turkey is you know, capital flows, inflows have dried up. Countries still running a large current account to deficit. Essentially, the economy is going to be forced, forced to close that external deficit much more quickly than previously expected. So that's been our you know, the, the biggest downgrade to emerging markets, but it certainly goes beyond Turkey. You know, and a number of countries now, including India, we're seeing we're seeing higher interest rates than we than we previously expected. So it's going to take a toll on on emerging market growth. What about China? Is China part of this story, or is there something different that is causing growth to to drift a bit lower in China? I think China is quite different. I think it's involved in this volatility, but in a different kind of way. I actually. You know, what, what we saw in China in the, on the currency side in the late 2017, early 2018 was you know, quite a steep appreciation against the US dollar that led to a, you know, quite a significant effective appreciation of the RMB. Uh, what's happened since March, April has been a very sharp bilateral depreciation, one of the sharpest we've ever seen in terms of the, the bilateral CMY USD rate. I think that's been quite an important factor in this broader EMFX volatility. Because you know the previous sort of moves in the dollar that we've had in previous cycles have not really involved the RMB moving very much against the dollar, but this time that's this time it's been different. Since 2015, the Chinese currency has become you know a lot more volatile, and I think that's been adding to this recent EMFX volatility. But one of the reasons China's currency has weakened is, is actually that the policy macro policies are moving towards an easier easier stance. And that comes back to your question is really in response to much, much clearer evidence in the last few months that the domestic economy uh, has slowed in response to the earlier credit tightening that we saw in China uh, that was implemented from sort of you know, late, late 2016, early 2017. A lot of macroprudential tightening. We see a very significant slowdown in credit growth, slowdown four, four and a half percentage points 
it's still rapid, but he's gone from 15 and a half to sort of 11 and 11 and a half uh, in, the, in the course of 12 months. That negative credit impulse, it's now much clearer that that's taken a toll on the economy. And the clearest indication in the macro data is in infrastructure investment, which in the last three or four months has actually turned negative on a year on year basis. I've been following China for a long time, never seen anything like that. Negative infrastructure investment growth in China is, well, it's like, that's a big, that's a big deal. And I think, I think this has gone a little bit faster than they anticipated. Throwing into the mix now as well as obviously increased trade risks. And I think those two things, particularly the pace of the slowdown in infrastructure investment has led to this shift in China's monetary policy. So we've seen 150 basis point cuts in the RRR since June. They've allowed the interbank interest rate to fall quite sharply. Some big injections of domestic liquidity. The PBO's balance sheet has started to accelerate again adjusting for the impact of, of, of the RRR changes on, on liquidity. So it's, you know, as the Fed has become more confident in its tightening, we've seen China shift to an easing stance in response to this slowdown in, in and, investment. And when we think about the implications of uh, maybe a shift in Chinese exchange rate policy that you've alluded to and weaker Chinese growth, what does that mean for other emerging markets? Is this primarily an emerging Asia? issue or does slowing growth in China and potentially a change in exchange rate policy, is it, is it more, more of a global issue? You know, I think, I think we're all still, most economists are still working with these models of the world as the, the kind of G7 plus the emerging markets and it just doesn't work anymore. China's so big now, the economy is so massive that swings in China's growth and China's monetary policy have a much, much bigger impact on everything else than they ever had ever had in the past. It's a $12 trillion economy now. So this slowdown that we're seeing in China's infrastructure investment is going to be felt across the emerging market world, I think, because you know investment is particularly import-intensive everywhere, but particularly in China. Infrastructure spending is, is very commodity-intensive in China. So I think as it becomes clearer and clearer that the, this slowdown is happening, and you know we do expect growth in China to, you know, to, to fall quite significantly between now and the, and the, and the end of the year in year-on-year in year terms. I think you are going to see clearer and clearer knock-on effects uh, from that. Uh, and, and I think we've already seen uh, the outsized impact of Chinese currency fluctuations on, on, on EM. I think that's, that's been part of the story over the last quarter. So China affects everything now, everything. But I guess maybe an offset would be the strong growth story that we're seeing in the U.S. So is the U.S. offsetting some of that weakness in China that, as you say, is now has global implications and also maybe changing the Chinese exchange rate policy? So, yeah, that's that's definitely true. And you know, the investment cycle in the U.S. has been an important fillet for a lot of the U.S.'s trade partners, no doubt about that. But you know, one thing that's been really striking in terms of trends long-run trends in the world economy in the last decade or so has been the, the rise in so-called south-to-south trade, EM-to-EM trade. That's, that's grown very, very rapidly. So I, I think the interlinkages with China have become a lot more powerful. They're still there with the US. It still matters a lot. It's still the world's biggest economy by a large margin. But in terms of how these relationships have changed, I think China's where the action has been in terms of increased exposure of other countries and you know, maybe not fully kind of anticipated and recognized yet by the market. And China's also been where the action is in terms of U.S. trade policy. So when we think about potentially the implications of the China-U.S. trade dispute, are, are the numbers you look at, are you seeing any evidence in terms of an impact on, on global trade flows from the trade dispute between China and the U.S.? 
Well, the aggregate measures of global trade that we, that we monitor on a monthly basis have clearly slowed down this year. There's, there's no doubt about that. There's a measure by the Dutch Policy Bureau that, that is widely tracked. That's come off its peak. If you look at shipping container traffic, that's, that's also come off its peak. At this point, it doesn't look as if the slowdown in world trade has been uh, disproportionately large relative to the slowdown in, in annual world growth that we've also seen. World growth has, has also come off this year. So those two things don't look out of line at this particular point. But we're a little bit nervous about that conclusion because there's been quite a lot of anecdotal stories about a number of importers and exporters trying to get as many orders through and as many, many goods across the border as they can before some of these tariffs kick in. So there's a story about US soybean exports being very strong in the second quarter because they were anticipating Chinese retaliation and some stories on the other side in terms of some of the Chinese data. So if that's the case, then the, then the numbers that we're, the underlying decline may be more aggressive. So we, we need to monitor these numbers pretty closely. If we were to see world trade falling much more sharply than our, our picture of, of world GDP growth, that would kind of be telling us there's something more sinister going on here and then the, the trade impacts are, are a little bit more serious. So far, in terms of what's actually been imposed, the 50 billion tariffs uh, between China and the US, 50 billion each, and the steel and aluminium tariffs, I just don't think the numbers involved there are big enough to really show up in, in the global growth numbers. But, but we could get there, right? There's always, always talk of escalation. So yeah. if things do escalate, say we're in the worst case scenario, what does that mean for, for growth? So the, the, the two big ones that worry us are potential UF tariffs on auto and auto parts imports um, and this potential threatened escalation on China, an additional 200 billion at 25%. Either of those two things happen, I think that's, that's clearly negative for world growth. Scenario that we looked at earlier in the summer where both of those things happen, we're, we're looking at a half percent off world growth in 2019. Okay, thank you, Brian. We'll leave it there. Thank you for joining us today. The next podcast in this series will be in December.